we are so grateful that you are joining us today. We as a community pray that the Lord would refresh you as you hear today's message. If you would like to support and further the work here in the city, please visit us at www.oasischurchchicago.com or download our app, Oasis Church Chicago. Now, here's Pastor JP with today's message. Come on, and everybody says... Amen. Can we give Jesus one last shout of praise in this place? He's worthy of it. He deserves it. Come on, we can give him a little bit more than that. All honor to him. Amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning in your comfortable plastic chairs. Hmm. You know, for being plastic, they're pretty comfortable. I have sat in some churches, let it be known. I'm a church kid. I have sat in some chairs that you're praying that the pastor wraps it up in within a, at least 15-minute sermon. You're like, please, my rear can't handle it. Terrible joke. Last week, if you were with us, we kicked off a new series called, Col- uh, it's called Colossians. It's called Establish, a study on the book of Colossians. And uh, I-, I pray that if you weren't here, that you go back and you listen to it, you check it out, because these next couple of couple weeks are just going to be building blocks on this book of the Bible. Um, And so I pray that you read it, you get encouraged, but this was a series intended for last year, and we bumped it to this time this year, and I really believe it's fitting. Um, I got done preaching last week, and I said we bumped it to this year because I really felt my spirit was the right time now as opposed to then, and someone walked up to me and said, this is the right time. We needed this right now in this moment. We need to become people that if you call Jesus, your Lord and Savior and King, we need to be established deeper. I want this church to grow in width, but I want it more importantly to grow in depth. I want every one of you to experience the goodness of God every single day. When I say goodness, people are like, so the moment trials come, where's good? He's still good in the trials. So in the trials, because you've grown deep, you're able to handle them with him in Jesus' name. I want us to grow deep. And I read this book, and it's just a powerful book that Paul wrote while he was in prison, mind you. He penned these words while he was in a prison cell. A lot of his writings were while he was locked up for preaching the gospel, for building the church, for helping people come to know Jesus. And he penned such amazing, beautiful words, hard words, heavy words, words of conviction and words of truth and words that he prayed would push this church that was at one time very big and in a massive city but has now become this smaller city, smaller church but still carried a massive amount of weight. And he penned these words from a prison cell and he he basically is just talking like, church, I, I want you to be established, I want you to be firm and I want you to be steady in your walk with Jesus Christ. I I don't want you to fall prey to what these other men are teaching you, these these false teachings, these these ways that aren't God's ways, these ways that aren't Jesus' ways. I want you to fall deeper in love with the one that actually came and saved you on a cross in an empty tomb. He pens these words and he says, Church, I want you to be strong. I'm sitting in prison, but I'm thinking of you. I said it last week. I would not be thinking of any of you if I'm sitting in prison judge me. It's all right. I just, it's not in my nature to think, you know what, as I'm in prison being put away for something I did not do, I'm not thinking of writing words of encouragement to people. But this is what happens, to be honest, when you radically encounter Jesus. 
You get locked up, you're good. You lose your bank account, you're good. You lose your apartment, you're good. You lose your job, you're really good. Because you got everything you need in Jesus Christ. Amen? And so he writes these words, and this church is of Colossae is powerful, and I'm going to jump into the second half. We, we, we read last week a prayer that Paul wrote. And this week I entitled this message, Established, Not for Sale. And I want to continue in chapter 1. I'm going to read 15 through 23. It's going to be up on the big Bibles. Did you bring your Bibles to church this morning? Who brought the Bibles? Let me see your Bibles. Amen. Who's married in the room? Lift your hands. Who's married? Come on, we're praying for married couples. Amen. We're praying for marriages in this place. Who's single? Lift your hand up. Keep them up. Just look around. Keep No, don't put them down. Look, put them back up. Just take a good glance. I see one back there just waving her left finger like, you see that? Best place to meet people is in church. Better than the club. Anyways, established, not for sale. Let's get spiritual. Colossians 1, 20, 15 through 23. And it says this, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. Paul is writing to this church explaining the supremacy of who Jesus was. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through Jesus and for Him. He existed before anything else, and He holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is His body. He is the head of this church. Not Pastor JP. Jesus Christ. If you want to pray for anything for me, pray that God remains the head of this church. Amen? He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is the first in everything. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ, and through him God reconciled, this is a beautiful thing, and through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by the means of what? By the means of Christ's blood on the cross. Everything was made to be right because of the blood that was shed on the cross. This includes you. Isn't that good news this morning? Put your name there. This includes who were once far away from God. You were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Yet now, he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body, as a, as a result, he has brought you into his own presence. And you are holy and blameless and without a single fault. Man, thank you, Jesus. But you must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. Don't drift away from the assurance you received when you heard the good news. The good news, I, the good news has been preached all over the world, and I, Paul, have been appointed as God's servant to proclaim it. But you must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly. Don't drift away from the assurance you received when you heard the good news. Established, not for sale. Jesus, pray that you will speak 
Not my voice, but yours. Holy Spirit, we need you here more than ever before. We love you. We bless you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And amen. 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 What am I doing? Established, not for sale. I'm pretty fascinated by um, people that are willing to go to great lengths to purchase all sorts of things. Whether it be a collectible item, uh, something that they deeply want. Today, more than ever, it's people with shoes. I'm not judging you. I'm a part of that circle. It's cool. Pray for Rachel. Um, I just think it's fascinating. People wait up all night to get online so that store opens up and that shoe's available, and they will do whatever they can to make that purchase. They will skip birthday parties, Christmas, whatever, to get the thing that they want. But I, I do appreciate, as much as I, I love watching people go to great lengths to buy certain things, I, I do have an appreciation for people that actually hold on to things, that always uh, aren't in need of the newest and the latest. I, I do have a respect for that. I'm not necessarily there yet, so pray for me. But, but I do have an appreciation for, for someone even like my dad. My dad is a guy that, if you've met him before, you would know what I'm about to say. He doesn't need anything new. If my dad could wear the same shirt and jeans and shoes every day, he'd be fine. He'd be content. I, I remember I was talking to him, and he came down to visit us when we were down in a town called Bourbon, Illinois, in the sticks. And uh, we were there for many years. And there's a, there's a farm and fleet down there. If you don't know what that is, just Google it. It's uh, awesome. They sell Carhartt, so all you fashionable people in the city. My dad hates us for it because he's like, you jacked the prices up a Carhartt, all you millennials. And I was like, whatever, dad. <laughs> it's true, though. I'm like, here's a Christmas gift. It's a Carhartt hat. But I, I, he told me one time, he was like, you know, I was down there. I pulled my truck into Farm and Fleet, and my dad drives a um, Ford F-250, Super Duty. This thing, like, and he lives in the burbs. Like, like he, he drives this massive truck, right? And he drove into Farm and Fleet, and he said that every, this has happened more than one time. That he, he parked the truck, and it's always clean, always. I take after my father. And it was clean, and he walked into Farm and Fleet, and he walked out, and there was a guy standing by his truck. And my dad at moment took a second and was like, what's this guy up to? And the guy was standing there, kind of smile on his face, like, hey, is this your... Nice truck, and my dad said, that's my nice truck. He said, how old is this truck? My dad's like, well, this truck's about seven or eight years old. And he's like, wow, it's that old. It looks, uh, it looks incredible. How's it run? Great, great. And my dad said that the guy proceeded to reach in his back pocket. True story. And he pulled out his checkbook. <laughs> and he said, what do you want for this truck? My dad said, what do you, what do you mean what do I want for this truck? The, the guy said, whatever you want for this truck, I will write you a check right now. I said, Dad. Did you sell your truck? <laughs> I could have a retirement plan. Our kid could be taken care of. He said, no. I didn't tell the guy I was selling my truck. I smiled at him, and I said, this truck's not for sale, buddy. And the guy said, come on, whatever the price is, whatever you want, I'm telling you, like, I can afford it. Let me buy your truck. And my dad said, it's not for sale. I said, dad. You could have got a new truck. <laughs> Not only a new truck, but you could have got a car too with it. He said, son, I got the best truck. I got the best truck. People want my truck. 
I was like, man. I remember him telling me this story, and I'm reading this passage of Scripture, and I remember him saying, my truck was not for sale. I didn't need the new thing. I had everything I need. I know it's a worldly possession, but it hit me. I think in this way of analogies. I read the Bible, and thoughts come to my head of stories or situations. I remember it hitting me, and I remember saying, am I showing the world Jesus so much that they are wanting what I have? Like, am I walking out to parking lots, and they're like, hey, bro, why are you smiling so big? It's snowing out here. Do you know what's going on? <laughs> am I showing the world that I, I have Jesus? Or am I willing to forfeit the gift of Jesus so I can have what the world has? Today, I, I want us to walk out of here established in Jesus Christ. I want us to walk out of here going, you know what? What I have, world, I'm not selling it away. I don't care what you have to offer. I don't care what you think you have to give to me. Whatever you think you can offer me, I have the best thing. Come on, I'm going to preach. Like, I don't need your gimmicks and your ploys. I don't need your lies and your manipulation. I have peace that surpasses all understanding. I have joy that overflows in me. I have grace that carries me. I have mercy that's new to me every single day. When I fall, I can get up and call upon the name above every name. I don't live with condemnation. I don't live with guilt and shame. I don't live with anything else except the power of Jesus Christ. Hey, world, you're not stealing this from me. It ain't for sale. I, I can give it to you. I can give you what I have but you're not taking this from me. I read Paul's words, and, and I hear the passion. I hear his kind of oomph, like, hey, church, you've given up your most prized possession. It's time to come back, church, to Jesus. And can we be honest? Like, in this walk of faith, if you've been on this walk in this journey, and no matter where you're at in this walk, you're welcome to. If you've just begun... A minute ago, because you felt the presence of God in worship, or if you've been serving Him for 10 years, it's a journey. And along the journey, there's going to be moments where you're going to be tested. And you're going to have to come to grips with, you know what, am I willing to give up what I've experienced? If you are willing to give up what you've experienced of Jesus, like remembering when He actually saved you, that day, that moment, when you felt the embrace of His love and you felt the overwhelming presence are you willing to give that up and to give up all that you have experienced and all that you know for the world? Are you here today to say, you know what? No. Nah. No matter 10 years or one minute, I'm going to go through some things in this life. And I need to come to grips that I am established in the kingdom of God. I am firm in the kingdom of God. I know who I am. Nobody's going to tell me who I am. I know who I am. Can we be honest? we got a generation that does not know who they are, old and young. Why? Because of the comparison game. I'm going to teach. This is in my notes, but someone needs to hear this. The comparison game is sick today. It is full-blown, in full view. Everybody knows what's going on. You compare yourself to the person next to you, to the person that's not right there on your screen. If you don't look like them, if you don't have what they have, can we be honest? Like, I laugh when I see some of these pictures. <laughs> I'm like, yo, who was holding that fan for you while that wind was blowing? <laughs> for real. Like, 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 who was willing to stand there and just like, 
It looks great. It's awesome. Keep it up. You look good. Keep smiling. I'm not, I'm not, it's fine, whatever. Like, if that's the time you want to spend, do your thing. But, like, it's real, and it's sucking people's joy out. It's, it's giving up hope. It's, it, we have a generation today that has more mental illness, depression, and anxiety than ever before. Doctors can't handle it. It's the truth. Every time someone comes in, even in the hospitals, I, I was reading this yesterday, they can't keep up with people. And they're like, what's wrong with you? They're like, I'm having panic attacks. Like never before. Why? Even in the church. And I said this a couple weeks ago. I am no better. I have panic attacks. I have struggled with that before. I know what it feels like. But more than ever before in the church, when we're supposed to be established in the kingdom of God, when we have the word of life, this is not even in my notes. When we have this and we get to open this up and we get to read this and fill our bodies with good news every day, with truth every day, we don't have to be shaken. We don't have to fall to things of this world. We can stand firm. Back to the notes. And everyone says, thank you. I just want our church to stand firm, to say we're not for sale. My heart is held by the king. So a couple things this morning that we need to discover in this passage. I'm getting to it. The supremacy of Christ ultimately is what keeps us established. We are no longer for sale to this world because Jesus has purchased us. His purchase has placed in us his presence. And the sale for our lives, this is where we all should say amen, is final. There's no need to make an exchange. Can I have my water? It's a great transition. Look at it. Come here. Come here. Come here. Come here. Come on. Welcome to this church. We just do whatever happens. Coming soon. Any day. Like, like right now? Like maybe today. Hey, also, Megan and Tony, you're here today. Is your little boy with you? Can you just stand up? Oh, he's, he's eating. <laughs> no. <Nope>. Awesome. <laughs> Can we just, just give a warm welcome to their baby boy? I love it. Leave it up to me to do that. Yeah, not shocked at all. This is awesome. No frills here, just real, honest. Three things to remain established in the kingdom of God. This first one, though, we need to get deep in our spirit. First is this, the supremacy of Jesus seals our purchase. The supremacy of Jesus Christ is what seals our purchase that we can say, hey, I'm sealed, I'm covered, I'm paid for. Scripture says in that chapter there, it says in verse 19, For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And through him, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. This includes you, me, who were once far away from God. You were his enemies. Can I be honest? I'm going to... If you don't know Jesus, if you haven't received him, if you haven't confessed with your mouth and believed in your heart that he is Lord and Savior, you are an enemy to Christ. But there's grace. There's grace. 
You were, an en- you were his enemy, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Yet, that's the good news. I love that yet right there. Yet, now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ and his physical body. Woo! Come on, the church. That's a really good place to say amen. It is because of the cross of Jesus Christ, because of Jesus' supremacy, his greatness, his pureness, his love, that I am saved, that I am set free, that I am clean, that I am holy, that I am paid for. It's because he was the only one that could do it. This is faith. It's because of Jesus Christ who came flawless, pure, without sin, born of a virgin mother, came and lived a life of just love and grace and miraculous signs and wonders and then went to a cross and died a sinner's death. The cross is brutal. It's, if you read about what actually the cross was like, it's not like this really cool thing that you just want to wear around your neck. It's actually really, really ugly and hard. But he did it. Why? So that you and I didn't have to go to that cross. Woo! You could say amen there. So that you and I didn't have to go pay for the sins in our life, the sins that we've done, that we're going to do. He, because of how pure and holy he was, went to the cross. His supremacy. He was the plan. He was the God plan. When we messed up in the garden, when we messed up throughout time, God's like, I got a plan. I'm going to redeem it. I'm going to make it clean again. I'm going to make it whole. I'm going to give you an option so that you can look to this world and say, I am no longer for sale. You do not get to get me. Jesus paid for our sins. Guys, this is like the best news in the world. Like, if I just preach this message every week, I wonder how many of us would keep coming back. Like, when you realize what Jesus has done for you, you don't need to have relationship sermons. You don't need to have offering instructed. You don't need to know why you need to serve in the church. I'm a, if you understood what he did for you, he gave himself up. He gave up heaven to come here for you. You would be like, what can I do for you? I'll do anything for you, God. Because your love is what carries me. Your supremacy is awesome. He paid for our sins. He reconciled our problem. You know what our problem was? Our sin problem. Our sin problem. What we couldn't do, He's the only one that could do it. He was the one that held, in a sense, the checkbook. I was at a store one time recently, like when we first moved, actually. I was at Golf Galaxy. <laughs> Rachel's like, where are you? I was like, I'm uh, uh, studying. <laughs> I remember walking into Golf Galaxy because there was big signs on the glass, and it said, going out of business, everything is like, 75% and more off, and I was like, winning, I'm going in there, and I remember walking in, and guys, can I be honest, it was like chaos, people were jumping over the like aisles, like it was like the apocalypse was happening in the golf store, it was like every golfer in the world just landed at this store, I was like, what is happening, and I remember like walking through the aisles and like checking things out that I need, I was like, oh, here's a new n- nice golf glove, like I'm not good, but like this is nice, oh, here's some new clubs, like oh, here we go, here's some golf balls, and I remember over the intercom, Someone got on the, on the thing over the, the head. What, intercom? Is that what it's called? Okay. And they're like, hey, all sales are done. I was like, what? And I remember everyone looking, and people were saying to us, hey, whatever's in your hands, is, yeah, that's, that's yours, but you got to go. 
You got you to go check out and you got to get out of the store. I remember walking up like, yo, there's like 20 more aisles I got to go down. Like, there's a lot of stuff here that I have not put my eyes on. <laughs> like, I need to see what else is available to me. Like, how are you going to tell me? You just said the store's open. It's, everything's got to go. What are you talking about? And they said, oh, we're so sorry. Um, but, but, but a man, you see the man right over there? I said, the guy in the nice suit? They said, yeah. He just walked in here and cut a check for this whole place. I was like, can I be your friend? Hi, I'm JP. We have a church right down the street. I said, what do you mean? They said he literally cut a check for everything else. Whatever is not in your hands, he owns. The furniture, the aisle racks, everything. And I was like, man, I'm impressed. I remember just giving him one of these, like J Rachel calls it the JP nod. I was like, he gave it back. We're friends. It's cool. We talk. He wrote a check for everything. Now, listen, I, I know, once again, I said it's a worldly example. It's an analogy. But I, I think of myself before Jesus came into my life, and I think about all the things that I was trying to grab, all the things that I thought I needed to fill the void, all the things that would make me special or make me feel loved or make me feel valued. I remember all those times of, of just taking one more drink or, or, or sleeping with someone else that was going to make me feel good. I remember all those things that I was just trying to attain, my status, my, my fame, and I remember what it felt like when Jesus came and stood before me face to face. And he said, Jay, all this stuff is not going to fulfill you. I am the only one that's going to fulfill you. By my power, by my supremacy, by who I am, my pureness on that cross that I gave up my heavenly spot for you. And I didn't stop there. I went to the grave and conquered the keys to death for you, JP. I'm cutting the check. It's done for you. You don't got to look down any more aisles. You don't got to see what else is available. You don't got to touch whatever else you think is going to work for you. It's not. Let me be the one that shows you where to go. Let me take you by the hand. You put your hand in my hand, and let me walk you out the front door of the store. Let me walk you out, because that's how good I am. That's how awesome he is. That's how powerful he is, that he paid the price for every single one of us. It's from the beginning. I don't have much time. I know my first point's going long here. Rachel and I talked about it. She's like, your first points go a little bit longer than number two and number three. You need to like, Shh, it's happening again. <laughs> His supremacy, because this is like the gospel. This is the truth. This is the good news. You know how we pray, like, I wanted to share the good news? This is the good news. While we were standing with nothing, without anything to pay, he's like, yo, I'm paying your whole bill. It's all covered. I got you. I got you. You don't got to sell yourself anymore. You don't got to do it. This was from the beginning of time. The Bible, every single book of the Bible, you know what's amazing? Every I stole this from a buddy. It's not stealing in the church. It's borrowing. Well, Morris Crawford, Pastor Morris, he's coming in a couple days. He was just out at Olivet, and I, I, I was watching him, and I was like, yo, bro, send me that stuff. That's amazing. You know, every book of the Bible, it point, I knew this, it points to Jesus. But he rattled off a list of every book of the Bible and how it is. For example, even in Leviticus, he is our high priest. And Joshua, he is the captain of our salvation. And Job, he is our ever-living ever redeemer. In Psalms, he is our shepherd. In Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, he's our wisdom. 
In Ezekiel, he is our wonderful four-faced man. In Joel, he, he is the baptizer with the Holy Ghost and fire. In Zephaniah, he is our Savior. In Haggai, he is the restorer of God's hope. In Malachi, he is the son of righteousness, rising with healing in his wings. In Matthew, he is the Messiah. In John, he is the son of God. In First and Second Corinthians, he is our sanctifier. In Ephesians, he is the Christ of unsearchable riches. In Philippians, he is the God who supplies all our needs. In First and Second Timothy, he is our mediator between God and man. In Titus, he is our faithful pastor. In Hebrews, he is the blood of the everlasting covenant. In Jude, he is the Lord to come. And in Revelation, he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. It's all throughout Scripture that Jesus is the only one that could pay the price for us. He's it. The band could come on up. His purchase was because of how supreme he was and is. And all we got to do is ask for him to come. Second thing is this, so when we ask, I get this, Paul says, his purchase places us in his presence. Whew. So when I come to know Jesus, when you come to know Jesus, you get transferred from one kingdom into another kingdom, from darkness into light. Verse 22, yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence. Come on, that's a good place to say Amen. And you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. I love when I get placed in a position to succeed. Like with Ikea furniture when I get the directions. It's awesome. I feel so much more better. I put my pride down. I pick those directions up. And I can succeed at this thing. I love when my coach would put me in the right place on the field to succeed. I love when people help me succeed and put me in the right setup to make sure that I'm going to move forward in life. Yo, if you don't have friends in your life putting you in position to succeed, get new friends. No, for real, get new friends. There's a bunch of people in here that could be your friend that actually put you in positions and places to succeed in life, not to fall every single day, not to steal from you, not to rob you, but to lift you up and point you closer to Jesus. Amen? Okay, that's not in the notes. Got to move forward. We're almost done. So what do you get when you get placed in his presence? Because he says, hey, hey, he placed you now in his presence. He gives you three things that I think are so profoundly incredible. He first says, hey, you get to be holy. And I, I, let me be honest, I've been in the church, and I've seen a lot of people, the moment they say, well, I'm holy, their chin goes up. Their chest puffs out. To me, holy means to be set apart. That's what a definition of biblically means. It means to be set apart that when you called upon Jesus' name, he said, guess what now? You are set apart. You are now mine. You are my son and my daughter. That does not call us to put our chests out in a prideful way. Don't let me see that. It doesn't call us to put our chins up like, yo, I'm better than you. What it calls us to do is I've been set apart for a purpose because the people that don't know him, I am set apart to go tell them about him. I am no better. I am still a sinner. I am still in need of grace every day. But I have the label of holy, though. He labels you holy. We need to pray these three things in our lives. Holy. The second thing he says, he's like, yo, you're blameless. What? Me? You know what I've done? Yeah, but because of Jesus and his supremacy, you're blameless now. Wait, wait, excuse me? Yeah, 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 you're blameless. You're blameless. You don't have blemishes or faults anymore. He covered you with his blood. Every wrong is right now. Every dark place is lit up. And when you fall and when you stumble, he can cover you once again because he has labeled you holy and blameless. Guys, this is good news. And the third thing he says is this. 
Yo, you're without fault. Come on. That means if I stood before a judge right now in a courtroom, Jesus is standing right next to me saying, yo, he's, he's good, he's clear. He didn't do anything. He's standing to his father and saying, yo, he's, he's with me. He's without fault. Because when we call upon the name of Jesus, when we establish our life in his kingdom, when we call upon his name every single day and we walk with him and we talk with him, we become holy, we become blameless, and we come without fault. This is the good news of Jesus Christ. When the world will say, no, you're not blameless, you're not holy, you're not without fault, see what you're doing, look what you're doing, you go, no, 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 world, thank you, bless you, love you, but this is what scripture says about me. Because of Jesus, I am holy. Because of Jesus, I am without blemish. Without Je- with Jesus, I am without fault. Come on, his presence can surround you. And when you start to live in his presence, you don't look for the world. You look to see how you can invade the world. I'm almost done. Here we go. Is this encouraging you this morning? We're not for sale. Stop selling your inheritance. Yo, come on. Stop selling your inheritance to the world. You have an inheritance in the kingdom of God, in a kingdom that has never failed, where people for centuries have been trying to deny it, have been trying to break it down. It's standing firm, and you get to live in it. The third thing is this. I love this. Woo. The sale's final. You ever buy something and you didn't realize it was final sale purchase? I come back and I put it on, I was like, it's a little tighter than I remember in the fitting room. <laughs> and I look at the tag and it says final purchase. Anybody? No, okay. Happens to me a lot. And I'm like, Rachel, it was final purchase. I have to keep it. But when Jesus Christ comes into your life, it's final. It's final. And see, it calls for us. He, he says, but you must continue, though, to believe in this truth in verse 23 and stand firmly in it. Don't drift away from the assurance you've received when you heard the good news. Hey, church, let me say it again to you because open up your ears a little more. Lean into this right now. Hey, church, because of the supremacy of Jesus Christ, you're covered. You're holy. You're without blemish. You're without fault. And guess what, though? You've got to continue, though. You've got to continue to believe this truth. To believe that you're established. To remind your soul, hey soul, it is well with me. Don't drift away from the assurance you received when you heard the good news of Jesus Christ. Don't drift away. Today, I simply want to say this to us. Don't sell back what Jesus has already paid fully for. Don't sell back. Don't try to go and make an exchange like, yo, Jesus wasn't working for me, but it's been two minutes. I'm going to go back to the world again. No, it's a lie. It's a scheme. It's going to leave you. It says this. Scripture says this. Encouraging words this morning. Hey, Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. The world, it's going to steal from you. It's going to try to kill you, maybe kill you, and it's going to destroy you. But Jesus came to give you life. What? That's opposite of the world. Yeah, dark, light. I like living in the light. I don't like going to dark places. I don't enjoy being in the woods. I like living in light. I like standing in a well-lit area. I like saying, you know what, Jesus, you are good, and you have called me righteous. You have called me whole. I am not settling back for the world anymore. Can we be a church that no longer settles in Jesus' name, that no longer gives up to this world, to what the world would say for us to have? We are established. We are not for sale. We are for chosen by Jesus Christ.